Um, but as we've been talking about being a transformational church, and we began looking at the church in Antioch, and if you remember, this was the first mostly Gentile church. The church in Jerusalem was predominantly Jews um, who for a while kind of hung around and, and did what they weren't supposed to do, and that was stay in Jerusalem. But eventually God brought persecution and sent them out on their way. And so uh, as they went, they had this opportunity in the church in Antioch. And so Paul and, and Barnabas went there to serve. As they were serving there for a year, God called them out to go and serve, uh, to take the message to the world. And so as we're thinking through being a transformational church, we'll kind of wrap up the series today. And so what I want us to understand, because I hear people all the time, and it's become even kind of more popular in the last 20 years, but it's, it's always been a thing, but it's, it's kind of become more popular in the last 20 years of, well, I can be a believer and, and not have to go to church. I mean, why do I have to go to church? I can stay home. I can watch it on TV. I can watch it on the internet. I can just hang out by myself. I don't have to get up and get showered and changed. And I can just sit in my pajamas and enjoy my time with the Lord. Now, on a daily basis, go for it. Get up in the morning, sit in your pajamas, enjoy your time with the Lord. But the scripture calls us to be a church, and Jesus says it is through the church that he's going to accomplish his plan. See, Peter and and the disciples are walking with Jesus in Caesarea Philippi, and, and Jesus sees all these different statues and different things that are going on, and he says, you know what? Who do people say that I am? They said, well, some people say you're Elijah, and some people say John the Baptist. It's okay, now who do you say I am? And Peter says, well, you're the son of God. Now, Peter made that statement, and, you know, a few minutes later, he's totally forgotten what he said. But, but he makes the statement, you are the son of God. And Jesus says, well, you know what? Based on that, based on that understanding of who I am, I will build not individuals, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, does that mean that every local congregation is doing what God's called them to do? No. But God has called the church, Big C Church, to accomplish his plan, and he accomplishes that through little c churches, congregations. That's why you see Paul writing, to the church at Rome, to the church at Colossae, to the church at Galatia, to the church at Ephesus, because it's how God is moving in the world. So for us to do what God has called us to do, it's going to happen through the church. This is an election year. It's not going to happen based on who gets elected as president and who gets elected as senators and congressmen and women. It's not going to happen. You know why? Never has. No matter who's the president, at the most, they're going to be around four more years, or four years, and then they're gone. And God has never called the government to transform the world. He's called the church of Jesus Christ to transform the world. And so we are together as a body, we can't 
the few of us aren't going to reach the whole world necessarily, but we can begin to reach West Columbia and Columbia and beyond and possibly even reach the whole world. Think of the 11 men who stood and watched Jesus ascend into heaven. And Jesus says, guess what? You're going to change the world. And they're going, yeah, you're, you're right. Sure we are. We've only known each other three years. How are we going to do this? But we need to understand that a transformational church sends out servants. Remember we talked about a transformational church preaches Jesus. We focus on Christ and him alone and his death, burial, and resurrection, which makes it possible for us to be here. We rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he's called us to do. We practice generosity, not because we want to sit around and try to think of how we can just milk money out of you, but it's because God has called us to give so that the ministry can happen. And he's called us to, to preach or to teach sound doctrine. And he's called us to send out servants. You see, as I was talking about these 11 guys watching Jesus ascend, in Acts chapter 1, this is what it says. So this was them right before he leaves. They said, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we're going to look at this passage this morning, but I want us to understand something. There's, there's a key word. If you've seen Schoolhouse Rock, it's called conjunction junction, right? There's a key word there. It doesn't say you will reach Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. He says you'll reach Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uh, ends of the earth. So I hear it all the time. But we've got to reach here first because this is our Jerusalem and once we get our Jerusalem reached, then we'll move to Judea and Samaria. And then once we get Judea and Samaria reached, we'll go to the ends of the earth. Sounds like a good plan, right? It didn't work for the disciples. They, they started in Jerusalem and they were staying in Jerusalem till all of Jerusalem was reached. And, and God said, no, that, that ain't going to work. So let me, let me figure out how we can do this. Stephen, come here a minute. <laughs> You're going to die, but as you die, this is going to make things kind of miserable for everybody else, and they're going to leave Jerusalem. So persecution began, and they left Jerusalem. And they began to reach Judea and Samaria. And then they began to reach to the ends of the earth. As Paul is sent out in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas, they're sent out to go from Antioch, which is southern Turkey, to the rest of the world. And so we're beginning to see how God is moving. So there's a couple of questions I want us to ask about this passage. The first one is, what? He says, you will be my witnesses. It's about him. Remember, we preach Jesus. We're his witnesses. Not witnesses in a court case. 
but we are the example, the witness to the world of what Christ has done. Paul says that our lives are like a billboard of the crucifixion of Christ. So we are, we are to billboard Christ to the world. Now, as many of you know, I'm not a big fan of church signs. Because church signs do not billboard Christ to the world. They billboard bad theology or stupid sayings. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, we, we drove by a church a couple weeks ago that said, if you want to get into heaven, apply within for flight lessons. It just makes me want to just drive by and just pull all the little letters off and take them home, throw them away. I don't think, I don't know that I should steal people's letters to get rid of a message, but it's about Christ. It's not about pithy little sayings that try to help people to grasp something. We're preaching Christ. We are his witnesses. Now this witness is, we're not preaching condemnation. You say, well, a lot of churches I know do. Well, you're right. It's not talking condemnation. We're not out to just point fingers at everybody and tell them they're going to hell if they don't get right. The issue is we're here to tell people about Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to convict them of their sin. It's not about conditions we have to meet. It's it's really, it's compassion. It's reaching out to help people see and understand the love of Christ. There's a new app out there, a, a video series. And I'm not usually big on promoting video series on the life of Christ kind of thing. But this one's called The Chosen. Anybody see anything about this thing? It's an app you can get. And I'll be honest with you. It's one of the best I've seen. It, it just presents the message in a, just a realistic, this is what happened, this is who we are, it's the life of Christ, the Gospels. But But in that, what we see is over and over and over again is people who are kind of confused, not real sure what they're looking for, not real sure what to make of this guy. But because he loves them and he points them to himself and to to God, they give their lives to him. See, too often we present Christ as this judge sitting up there ready to smack everybody rather than the God who loves you and gave himself for you. Now, let's be honest here. There is truth to the fact that God is also a God of wrath and judgment. But that's not happening right now. And we don't need to focus on that. Sometimes we focus on that to the point where we almost enjoy it. We're kind of glad that we can tell somebody they're going to go to hell. Because we're tired of the way they're living, and this way, hey, we can just... I got you. No. We, we share Christ in compassion. Stuart Briscoe said this, and it's not on the screen, so. I believe the sole task of the church is to turn out people who honestly believe that they have the only message of hope and that they are the only people who have it. We have the message of hope. But too often we have a message of our church, or our specific way of doing things, rather than the message of hope in Jesus Christ. So that's the what. What about the why? 
Why are we sharing the gospel? Why are we doing this? Other than the fact that Christ commands it, why are we doing it? Well, to meet a need. No, we talked about this a little bit last week. The needs are always going to be there. The poor you will always have with you. And if you're going to meet a need, you're going to constantly be frustrated because you meet this need, and the next minute there's this need. And then the next minute there's this need. And the next minute there's this need. So it's not going to meet a need. It's going to bring God honor and glory to, to, to raise his name and proclaim him to the world. Paul says this, we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Our goal is to please him. Jim Elliott in the 50s before he was martyred said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See, people ask, well, why didn't Jim Elliott and those other guys shoot and kill those people who were attacking them with spears? They had guns. They could have killed them. But Nate Saint told this to his son. He said, son, I'm bringing the gun to kill animals to eat and to protect us from the wild animals. But he said, if they kill me, I know where I'm going. If I kill them, I don't know where they're going. So they refuse to take the life because they're there to tell people about Christ. And Jim Elliott's saying, it doesn't, I'm not a fool for giving up my life because I gave up my life a long time ago. Colossians chapter 3 says, you died with Christ. I died over 2,000 years ago. And so it doesn't matter what happens to my body now. What happens is, do I reflect and honor Christ? That's why we do it. Dan DeHaan said this, make sure you don't spend your life doing what a non-Christian could have done just as well. Now that doesn't mean your job. But what it means is the attitude you do your job. The heartbeat as to why you do your job. Are you doing your job just to make a paycheck? Are you doing your job to honor Christ through your job? So we, we, we're there to honor Christ. That's the why. Then we come to the how. He says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Throughout Scripture, there's different ways that Paul says this. In Ephesians chapter 5 especially, he says it three different ways. He says, be filled with the Spirit. We've all heard messages on this passage that it's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing, the way the verb is, it's an ongoing issue. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's almost like he thinks, well, that, that communicates, but let me say it another way. Walk in the Spirit. So that, that gives, again, we're walking in the Spirit. So he says, well... Let me think of one other way to say it. Keep in step with the Spirit. And it seems like this out there idea that we're just kind of sitting around feeling the Spirit. But no, the idea is it's a daily, moment-by-moment surrender, asking Him to lead us and stepping out when He does lead us. The old, the old hymn, Trust and Obey. 
We ask and we trust that he's telling us the truth and we obey what he tells us to do. And we trust that he tells us the truth and we obey what he tells us to do. That's walking in the Spirit. It's keeping in step with the Spirit. Sometimes we share the gospel in our own flesh and not in the Spirit. And I believe we do more harm than good. But don't use that as an excuse. Well, I didn't feel led, so I didn't tell him. Okay, there's parts of it where it's a, it's a command, whether you feel led or not. But the issue is, what do we say? And are we trusting our own wisdom and our own abilities, or are we trusting the Holy Spirit? So we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then the next question, who? He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jim Elliott said this too, wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Now, usually when we look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8, or or Acts 13, or Matthew 28, we automatically start thinking missionaries. These guys who are going to go and pack their stuff and go overseas somewhere and give their lives and live over there and tell people about Jesus. And, And we almost make them something more than they are. I don't know anybody, and I've known a lot of missionaries. I don't know any that are on the field where they are because God dragged them kicking and screaming there. You know why people are in Turkey right now? Because they love Turks. And they want Turks to know Jesus. You know, and so it's not just because you pack your bags and go across the ocean doesn't make you special. You're being obedient to where God has called you. Now, last week, I I gave you an assignment. If you'll bring up the next... I gave you an assignment to write down your address, or if you didn't know the address of where you worked, at least the name of where you worked. So, this is the general Columbia, South Carolina area. All right? So, where has God called us and who has God called to do it? Bring up the next slide. This is City Church, represented in Columbia, South Carolina. From your addresses, this is where I placed stars as to everywhere God has called City Church to be. Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt, the will of God. God's called you, God's called me. It's not just a matter of finding where that dot is, that's East Point Academy, and on Sundays we're all together, and that's City Church. This is City Church. Reaching Columbia, South Carolina. Now, as you see, we may need to, to get some people going towards Horrell Hill. You know, any, any military folks, we can get on Fort Jackson, I don't know. But, but the issue here is, God's already called you. It's not 
there's nowhere in Scripture, realistically, that there's a special calling for someone. We're all called. And we choose by life choices and different things as to where we're going to serve the Lord. And you've chosen where you work, where you go to school. Some of you don't choose where you go to school. It just depends on where you live. But you're there. God has you there to make an impact there. Okay? So, as we think through City Church, we're a gospel-centered church in the city, for the city that exists to encourage people, equip them for life, and engage in God's mission. I guarantee you, the people that I sent the slides to earlier this week looked at these next few slides and thought, we're going to be there till 4 o'clock. Okay? (laughs) Because there's a lot on these next slides. But what I'm wanting us to do is just to look at them. We're not going to get in depth on everything. But as we think through what it means to be a part of City Church, we're celebrating our anniversary. There's things we talked about teaching sound doctrine. So let's look at these. We believe the scriptures are true, authoritative, sufficient, without error. We believe there's only one God, creator of heaven and earth, who eternally exists in three distinct persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe that all things exist for the glory of God. We believe Jesus Christ is co-equal with the Father, is the eternal Son of God, was born of a virgin, and was both fully God and fully human. We believe Jesus Christ died as the sacrificial substitute to pay the penalty for sin, physically rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and will one day return. We believe the Holy Spirit is co-equal with the Father and Son. He is present in the world to convict of sin and make people aware of their need for Christ. He lives in every believer from the moment of salvation, provides the Christian with power for living, understanding of spiritual truth, and guidance in doing what is right. We believe that man is made in the image of God. He is the supreme object of God's creation. Although man has tremendous potential for good, he is marred by an attitude of disobedience toward God called sin. This attitude separates man from God by birth and action. We believe that man was created to exist forever. He would either exist eternally separated from God by sin or in union with God through forgiveness and salvation The deserved penalty for sin is physical and spiritual death. We believe that salvation is a gift from God to man. Man can never make up for his sin by self-improvement or good works. Only through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ and repentance from sin can one be saved from sin's penalty, be reconciled to God, and inherit eternal life. We believe the church is the body of Christ of which Jesus Christ is the head. The members of the church are those who have trusted by faith in the finished work of Christ. The purpose of the church is to demonstrate the reality of the kingdom of God, to glorify God by loving him, raising up disciples, and preaching the gospel. I believe that's the last one, right? Okay. Starting to doubt myself there for a minute. Now, these are deep statements. But remember we talked about we teach sound doctrine. What you don't see up here is a view of the end times. What you don't see up here is arguments over spiritual gifts. What you see is this is biblical truth that we hold to as a church. 
And if any of those we read, you think, I want to know a little bit more what that means, sit down and talk to us. We'll be glad to sit down and share with you what we're talking about there. We didn't just make these up and just come up with something to put on a website so you can look at it and go, wow, isn't that great? And to be honest with you, how many of you have ever read through our statement of faith on the website besides the elders? Okay, a few of us. See, the elders all raising their hand, getting brownie points. Um, you know, so, you know, most people don't go to a website and go, what's their doctrinal statement? They go to a website and say, what's the music like? What are they going to do for my kids and my teenagers? And I want to go to church there because of that. And we try to provide for your kids and your teenagers who are supposed to do a dance thing or something at lunch. They were supposed to do it in the service and they chickened out because there were people here. Um, <laughs> there'll be people here at lunch too, but they said they're going to do it at lunch. But, you know, we provide for the kids and the teenagers... But that's not the issue. The issue is not whether you can come comfortably dressed and sit in miserable chairs in a gymnasium. The issue is, what do we believe to be truth and what are we teaching to be truth? That's what this, these statements are. But we also want to equip you for ministry. Well, how do we do that? We have certain values. We value truth, that it is discoverable, knowable and uncompromised. We value prayer. We meet in here at 9.30 on Sunday mornings to pray. We pray throughout the week. We have an app that you can keep track of prayer requests throughout the week. That nothing of eternal significance without, happens without prayer. Believe in hospitality, that people are welcome just as they are. Believe in generosity, that we give of our time, talent, and resources. We believe in diversity. We desire to represent and bless the nations. We believe in open dialogue. In other words, it's not just somebody standing up front talking. We're here to share, to learn together. If you have questions, you can ask those questions. Unity, we rally behind one Lord, Savior, and faith. Excellence is for God's glory and the good of others. And we believe in team leadership. We're elder-led. We're not pastor-led. I'm not saying that's a bad model. I'm saying it's not the model we choose here. Because we believe it's a team leadership idea. That we're here to serve you as a team. 